Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, sir, my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, episode 137, covering season 7, episode 6, Lifeboat and the Trope. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Gatecast. And which trope would that be on? The They're Taking Us Over trope. Covered in Star Trek original series, for one, and numerous uh, science fiction and probably Twilight Zone uh, Out Limits episodes, I think you mentioned during the wrap-up last week. Probably even covered in previous episodes of Stargate, to be honest. So technically you could argue as it being similar to The Ghoul, but we'll see as the episode develops since Mike's seen it and I haven't. You've seen it once, surely? Probably when it was broadcast. <laughs> Someone suggested to me that uh, if I like Alison Hannigan... I should uh, watch American Pie Reunion. There's a scene I'll enjoy. And she refused to expand any further. She actually returned to that franchise. Apparently. Theatrically, she's not that busy. Busy in the TV front, of course. I saw a very good episode, actually, where they moved out to the suburb and you had a new Ali, a new uh, Marshall, this red-haired dancer and a Russian boyfriend. Yeah. What I like about How I Met Your Mother is you don't really need to watch it in any particular order. You can just dip in anywhere. Oh, there's a good tweet there, a quote from uh, Burn Notice. Guns make you stupid. Better to fight you all with duct tape. Duct tape makes you smart. <laughs> this is extra, but on Sunday evening, I sat down and I watched Arctic Blast, very much starring Daniel Jackson. Michael Shanks. He was in it as well. <laughs> Pedant. It was kind of funny. It wasn't terrible. It actually kind of, you know, rocked along quite nicely because I looked and I thought, oh, God, it's never three quarters. Uh, interesting aside, Shane, who'll be guesting on an episode later in this season, who lives in Tasmania, said a mate of his who lived in Hobart actually had the opportunity to go to a meet and greet, but didn't bother contacting Shane because he figured he wasn't interested in travelling down from Launceston to Hobart. Shane now wants to kill him. <laughs> yes, uh, there's a, oh yeah, there's a major star of a science fiction show filming in Hobart, and there's a meet and greet on, but I thought you wouldn't want to bother driving that far. Yeah, can I shoot you now? There are people that will travel half the world to meet Michael Shanks. <laughs> Jan Schroeder, who JMS is actually quoted as saying Jan Schroeder is insane, actually yeah. looked at the costs of attending a convention in Australia where JMS and Pat Talman and Claudia Christian and I think Bill Mummy are appearing. Oh, and I saw a tweet earlier from DragonCon that Robert Picardo is going to be at it. Not a bad lineup then. No. The Flesh Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Two hundred miles below the surface of the earth, at the terminus of a series of long sealed caverns and interconnected shines, under the shadow of the eternally bleeding eye, there is a crippled wreck of a man writing tales. Stories of a dimension engulfed in madness. He is writing them of you. Think them all at fleshpulp.com or search for it on iTunes. Mm-hmm.
something I do highly recommend to you. I've only listened to the introduction in the first five minutes of it. It famous voice actors on the planet, half the guys that did Futurama, Pinky and the Brain, that kind of thing. They're doing Star Wars. Moderator is doing is he's calling it in the voices of characters that they've played. Yeah, I downloaded it. You did download it, the thing that was linked on JMS's page. Well, I didn't get it from JMS's page, seen it somewhere else. I've listened to the first five minutes and we have a Powerpuff Girl as Darth Vader. <laughs> the bit I heard, which caused me to literally, I'm glad I was stopped in the driver, otherwise I might have actually swerved the car. The bit I heard was Pinky as the Stormtrooper in the opening scene in Star Wars. Looking at the panel, I don't, don't think I really recognise any of them. But then again, I wouldn't do, especially no, if it's No, no, they're all voice. Yeah. Let's face it, the only person you recognise from Futurama, and she's not on that panel, is Katie Siegel. Yeah, yeah. But she's not really a voice actress, per se. I take it you haven't seen Continuum yet? No. My friend Paul C. sent me a tweet last night saying, don't look up anything about it. Just know yeah. that Master Braytac's in it and watch it. <laughs> and I sent him a text back saying, I'm aware of it. I watched it last night and, Braytac! <laughs> <laughs> and then, Lexa! And then, Jen! And then, what's his name? Uh, we're in Stargate Universe. Jen? Jennifer Spence. She was, oh, what was the name, Doctor, one of the scientists. The one who got trapped in the dome and got her eyes burnt out. Oh, yeah, that one nasty. There's a smoking man from the X-Files, he's in it. Mitch Pelagi? No, the smoking man. Oh, who was Mitch Pelagi? Mitch Pelagi was... Skinner. Skinner, ah. Yeah. Might watch some SPN tonight. Thought you were waiting. I'm only like five, six episodes into season five. Oh, right. I could watch it for three or four nights in a row and still not be anywhere near there. And I have season six. I didn't even start watching that. I did actually get to listen to about half of Monstrous Regiment today. Did you picture Jackram as Welsh? Not really. But can you picture him as anything other than Welsh now? The accent does suit. Which is why, unfortunately, there's only one person in Wark who'd get it, and it's Gabriel. Yeah. I have said before to several people in Wark, upon my honour, I am not a violent man. <laughs> when you realise the announcement at the end of the book, Wark's on additional levels. Once you know the secret, every time you read that, you're just grinning. because <laughs> yeah, you're thinking, you're right, you're not yeah. a violent man. He's never lied. <laughs> He's never actually lied, you know? The man part is a given, so why yeah. even... And then you realise, oh, right. <laughs> Come try Line is poised and ready. Let's jump right into lifeboat. If we're three, if we're doe, if we're hen, flicky. <laughs> fade to black, fade in on a ship. Which kind of reminds me of Doctor Who episode with Weeping Angels and Alex Kingston. Mm, similar, yeah. Map paintings done by Matthew Talbot Kelly for this episode. Sir, it's possible the beacon we detected with the melt was activated remotely upon impact. If there's anyone left in those forward sections, I doubt they could have survived, sir. There should be an indication somewhere about how long ago they crashed. I'm always amazed a crashed spaceship can remain intact like they do, because when we see an airliner or anything crash, it tends to get ripped apart. It's possible they have structural integrity fields. Mm, maybe. You pretty much explain everything away with science fiction. Sir, these people are alive. A at least they're in some form of cryogenic sleep. Pod people. Not quite. You know, I've never actually seen one of those from start to finish. What, Invasion of the Body Slashes? Yep. Oh, yes, because, Amanda, we developed FTL all on our own. We didn't steal it or anything. <laughs> Frozen people. Yeah, yeah. Sums it up nicely. Putting in here, sir. Their current state's probably protected them from the impact. 
As you may suspect, they've only got a limited number of pods there to keep reusing, getting the shots to make it look like there's a lot. Which means, oh, that is rather a lot. Another map painting, yes. How many of them do you think there are? From the configuration of the ship's exterior, I would say four compartments of varying size. All right, we'll do a quick head count, see what we're dealing with, and call for support. Carter, Teal, keep her up. Daniel and I will start in this compartment. Yes, sir. Now, what a pity they aren't numbered. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd numbered them in English. I'm sure they did, and not some weird characters which only Daniel can read. Yes, this is a huge spaceship and there's four of us. Let's go exploring. Let's not bring any backup or anything. Yeah, it's not as if there's anything horrible that's going to be here. I mean, look, frightening, isn't she? Frightening. <laughs> well, she's in blue. Everyone else is. Do different colours designate command, or...? Uh... Nothing's mentioned, but you would imagine so. Yes, it's all Star Trek-y. Five, six. You don't need to count out loud. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we won't count him. Quite fancy cryogenic chambers, the etching on the glass. Mm. Jack! Yeah, it was never going to go smoothly, was it? Yeah. There are worse things to find on an alien spaceship than great big balls of light. Yes, and weird markings on the floor. Increased dramatic music. And... <laughs> Even more? Mm. Was this episode short or something? It's a three minute, seven second teaser, as long as one we've had in this <laughs> season, and possibly longest in a while. Doubtless a listener could, or if I bothered my arse to Google, could tell us the longest and shortest teasers, both by season and in total should have made notes. And by we, I mean I should have made notes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking what, me? Notes? Anyway, come on. Lifeboat, Season 7, Episode 6. Gatecast, Episode 137. Written by Brad Wright. Directed by Peter DeLuise. First aired in the US, July the 18th, 2003. In the UK, November the 3rd, same year. Australia, a couple of days later, November the 6th. Canada, October the 14th, 2004. So the gap is shortening. Yay. The episode is used in other shows. Wings, Seven Days, Chopper Squad, Tweenies, and of course the classic movie Lifeboat from 1944. And we're back. Yes. Tilt wakes up first. With James Park written across him. <laughs> the superior being... I suppose the advantage of this kind of story is they don't need any extras. There is that, yes. Apart from the people in the pods, you know, it, it sort of minimises um, the number of people they have to hire. That guy's cheek doesn't... Oh, is that etching on the glass? That's etching on the glass, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I thought it was some kind of mask thing. O'Neill. Yeah, it's the actual curve of the glass that's doing it. Major Carter. Daniel Jackson, respond. Is it though? Because surely you see some. Oh no, that's intelligent, Teal. Finally, he brought a bloody zat. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna say he must have chosen a zat instead of his staff weapon, but mm. so many missions, the zat would have been more appropriate. This might be an exception. Have they got a map of this place? Because they haven't actually been on the ship long. Maybe Teal has an eidetic memory. A lot of the light for this set being produced by the torches themselves. When they need a close-up, they're actually reflecting some of the torchlight onto the actors' faces. 
by Peter West, the uh, DP who did the commentary with Peter DeLuise. He doesn't even, he doesn't even try shaking her. Nathaniel's a former ascended being, surely you should wake up next. You don't like to hear noises in the darkness. You know, Sam, your hair is just not being good this season. Major Carter. So he tries to wake her, he can't, and then he just leaves her? Just leaves. <laughs> well, you don't really know what's wrong with her, you know. It's... Well, you can shout, Tilk. You don't have to... Scratch my ear. Oh. <laughs> Not a morning person, is he? No. It's SG4's IDC, sir. You're signaling that they've got SG1. Defensive medical team, stand by. Open the hours. They've never learned. If someone were actually firing at them, all those guys would probably get hit. Mm hmm. But then again, why would they have the armed guards, SG-1, are coming in, or an SG-12, quite safely? They're both unconscious. Vital signs are otherwise stable. All right, get them to the infirmary and maintain security protocols. Yes, ma'am. Daniel? I have to go back. I have to go back. <laughs> yeah, well, lucky he didn't try. We've never seen what happens if someone tries to go backwards through an incoming wormhole, have we? It would have been interesting to actually see that, if he just bounced off it or something. Mm. <laughs> Now, at this stage, you could think, is this kind of a, an ascension relapse? Hmm. Damn, I've forgotten everything again. This episode was originally written as a season six episode by Brad Wright. But the problem was, it was written for Michael Shanks. Mm -hmm. So it was put on the shelf until, as luck would have it, he came back. Until Michael came off the shelf. <laughs> oh, look, blinking lights. Ah, so they have two-way glass in this world as well, then. Those may be removed when you decide to calm down. Calm? How do you expect me to be calm? I was made promises that nothing like this could happen, that nothing could go wrong. All right, let's start there. Can you tell me what has gone wrong? What has gone wrong? What has gone wrong? Well, this is not the Stromos. You are not a member of my staff, and that is not me! Right, <laughs> I'm a handsome devil, though. In fact, we're in the dark about what has happened as much as you apparently are. Now, if you cooperate... I will undergo no more of your tests. <laughs> to be honest, you could probably still do some damage. Yes. You may not get, you know, a lot of shoulder action into the punch, but... Daniel really loves these roles, doesn't he? Right. They seem to keep writing them from... This episode is totally reliant on his acting ability. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're screwed then. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea who I am Oh, dear. Peter Deloitte actually pointed out that by having Michael do all these characters, they did save money on extras for this episode. Yes. Even though they had a dozen plus extras that were non-speaking roles for the pods. Mm -hmm. Then is Dr. Jackson suffering from some sort of mental illness? I honestly don't know yet, sir. His preliminary EEG readings are like nothing I've ever seen. On one hand, there's indication of coma, but at the same time, we're seeing readings like those of a dozen people all jumbled together. I'm sure, Janet, you've seen that before. Yes. Or something very similar. Mm. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. You're all clever people. 
He is claiming to be a passenger from the crashed alien vessel we discovered on the planet. How's that possible? I have no idea, sir, but Tilk is right. And I think we're dealing with more than one passenger. By that, I mean Daniel's behavior in the gate room and throughout the preliminary testing was distinctly different than his current behavior. I'd say we've witnessed at least two, maybe even three separate personalities. Could there be more? We discovered several hundred passengers in cryogenic suspension. That had temper. It'd be funny if little windscreen wipers came up. Oh, yes. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, makes our job easier. Colonel O'Neill had requested an enumeration of the cryogenic chambers. While we were separated, I lost consciousness momentarily. For what reason, I am unsure. When I returned, I found Daniel Jackson, Colonel O'Neill, and Major Carter in their current states. Speaking of which, sir, I'd like to check in on the Colonel and Sam. Keep me apprised. Yes, sir. Good episode for Janet as well. Yep. Or Terrell, I should say. Both, in fact. Yes, and uh, are we leaning slightly on, oh, I don't know, the DS9 episode? One of the orderlies, I have no idea which one, is Rob Hater. Been in five episodes of SG-1. Does a lot of stunt work. Stuntman on Sanctuary, Human Target, Fringe, SGU and SGA. Does Brad just take people with him from show to show? They all do, you know. If, if they've worked with people and they like them, then you work with them again. Ordinarily ordered. Oh dear. There we go, he's got a speaking part, that must be him. Oh, aren't <laughs> nice. we an arrogant little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just lie there. How difficult was that to do for Amanda? Lie there, let me shine a light in your eye and don't blink. Inform General Hammond the Colonel's awake. Yes, ma'am. What's all we saw there in the background? Yeah. What happened to him? He broke his nose. We've got a new nurse, Kimberly Unger. Did two episodes of Stargate SG-1. Silo, that, that may have been a B-arc they didn't develop. Could have been, yeah. We've seen him get injured before, <laughs> stupidly and silly. Perhaps he just says, can I be in this episode, please? And they go, yeah, go on then. We need somebody in the background, and we're already paying you for the stunt work, so... Hmm. Carter and Daniel. Major Carter is suffering the same after effects as you, sir. Janet? Sam? Hey, it's going to be fine. We've both suffered some sort of neural shock. Is it that Daniel as an ascended being is more easily influenced by extra personalities? Well, one thing they actually did, but that you haven't seen yet, the pod next to Daniel was open. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just coincidence that Daniel was chosen. There's, there's no reason he was chosen, apart from the fact that he happened to be close to the pod that opened up. I see. Could you hear that as I reattach the clip? Uh, I don't know I was talking. I hear everything in the edit, believe me. Sir, I need you to stay right where you are, at least until you're strong enough. Uh, no, you're not, sir. What's he trying to do? Ow. He does know he's attached. Yeah. No, I'm not. Just find the small woman and tell her that what she gave me is not good enough. <laughs> the small woman. <laughs> yeah. Do you speak? No, I have a non-speaking role. <laughs> yeah. Cut. <laughs> You're not supposed to say anything. How are you feeling now? Your medicine is worthless. Are you still in pain? This body must be damaged. I doubt that. Dr. Jackson was in perfect health. I assume Dr. Jackson was the former. Mm. Mm. Not yet, anyway. I think he's just one of those characters yeah. that complains about everything. Probably. Didn't the budget run to Janet having a pen? Did something happen to my own body? Maybe not a pen that works. <laughs> In times of disaster, people need their sovereign to look up to. How will they recognize me now? 
I've already told you we didn't do this. How else could I have arrived in this situation? We don't know. <laughs> oh, he's a nasty little son. Ooh, Janet's getting ticked off. <laughs> yeah, she may be the small woman, but she's got a big guy behind her. Yes. Behind every small woman is a big guy. <laughs> in some movies, yes. Could you be less specific? In a military facility on a planet called Earth. Earth. The ship was bound for Ardina. How far are we from Ardina? I don't know. Now, this set was basically described as mm -hmm. a big black room with one big light above it, which allowed uh, the actors to walk about and not have extensive Bits. you know, blocking and setting up the lights. Yeah. Actually, Peter West said they, they spend about 18 or 19 minutes in this room, totally reliant on the characters and the actors doing their jobs, and you couldn't have them just standing there doing nothing. Mm. They had to walk about and pace. Oh, dear. We don't know the reason, but somehow several of the passengers who were in cryogenic sleep have... He's got a big neck, yeah. hasn't he? We know he's been working out over the years, but... Yeah. This is a woman, I think. Yeah, softer accent. Mm -hmm. <sighs> no, Martise is a sovereign. I'm, I'm just a crew member. In some cases, Michael Shanks actually created the accent... Mm -hmm. And then the people that played the characters had to copy him, and others he actually uh, mimicked the actors. Mm. Mm. Ah, a little more compliant than the sovereign. How can this be? It's all right. I'm here to help you. No, no, this is this is wrong. This, this is a mistake. Yes, it is one that we want to correct. Oopsie. <laughs> I'm Doctor Fraser. Trying engineer, second rank. All right, Tryon. Why don't we start again? Again? Yes, well, you know, he's a cog. I don't recognize this man. Mm. This episode is essentially exposition in Daniel. Or rather, myself. His name is Daniel Jackson. The body you're inhabiting belongs to him. He wasn't aboard the Stromos. No. <laughs> You've got to admire everybody that knows the names of every crew member or passenger. But I suppose name style is different. Mm -hmm. We don't know how or why the crash occurred, only that the only survivors were those in cryogenic sleep. When Daniel Jackson and the other members of his team boarded your ship, this happened. I have no memory of coming here. No, I don't suppose you would, would you, Daniel? Or Jerry, you know, whatever your name is. Brace for acceleration. The trial. Compartment is secure, sir. Very well. He did say Tyrion, didn't he? No, Tryon. That's Tryon. And the actor who just said the bulkhead is secure. <laughs> that one line got him his union card. Really? He was an extra, but he was actually bumped up to a speaking part. Why am I restrained? It wasn't you. You're the fourth personality to emerge since being brought back. He's not restrained. They're on his wrist, but they're not attached to anything. Well, they're attached to the belt around his waist. Are they? Yeah, that's why if punched, he wouldn't be able to... He'd have to lunge more than punch. The strain on the body would be too great. It, it wouldn't survive. Do you know that for certain? It couldn't happen. The only conceivable result would be insanity. Then we should both hope you're wrong. Dr. Fraser, you don't appreciate that what's happened is technically impossible. This can't happen. One cannot return to any other body than one's own. There are fail-safes to prevent exactly that from happening. Tryon, it has happened. All you need to do is look in the mirror to prove it to yourself. 
this is a very educated character he's playing now. Yeah, so you've got to actually accept it, mate. You're in somebody else's body. And you're the first personality to emerge so far that's been helpful, so I need you to think, all right? How could this happen? Quick shout-out to Cade the People, who retweeted Alan's earlier tweet about recording of the lifeboat. Somebody's following us. Yes, somebody's obviously on board. There is simply no way to separate them or send the consciousness to any other than its corresponding body, unless... Oh, no. Unless the sleepers' bodies are dead. Now, this little scene, Peter DeLuise had actually just seen The Rock, where, when they interviewed the Sean Connery character, they had the uh, monitor and the actual live action. Mm. As pointed out, how often his work copied stuff he'd seen recently. <laughs> Dr. Fraser appears to be making progress. How do you get stuck in here? Daniel Jackson's preliminary electroencephalogram proved anomalous. I dare you to say that again. <laughs> Dr. Fraser declared a code 17. Dr. Jackson has been under constant guard, and only she and a few of her staff have had any direct contact as a precautionary measure. She thought he was a gold? We sense to rule that out, but I'm not taking any chances until we can determine the means by which these additional persons have found their way into Dr. Jackson. Yeah, Jack gets his little book out to see what code 17 is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Save me looking at the book. <laughs> It makes you wonder what is a code one or a code two then, if Gord's only 17. Yes. <laughs> and that was probably one of the few scenes where he actually interacted directly. Whenever you see Jack's shoulder or anything, that'll be Bill Nikolai, the standing. I was just trying to get more screen time. During the filming of this episode, Richard Dean Anderson's father passed away. Ooh. So he was off set for the entire filming, mm -hmm. and his scenes were actually recorded the week later, and he was just playing off extras. Business purge from the system. I am dead, as are the others who may reside in this body. We can't be sure of that until we go back to the planet. Well, you will see. Interesting, isn't it? Did I get an Emmy for this one? <laughs> no, Was he aiming not. for one? <laughs> it makes you wonder, these people have perfected cryogenics. They've actually been able to use computers to copy mm -hmm. subconscious, conscious memories and put them back into the host bodies. Yet they haven't got FTL travel. It's interesting how technology can move forward in one area, but not others. So the memory requirement must be enormous. Each cryogenic capsule contains an active matrix memory module sufficient to sustain one single mind. Its systems are connected with those that regulate and sustain the corresponding sleeper's body. Well, then it may be possible to upload your consciousness back into that memory. No, each module can store only one consciousness. Then do it one at a time. No, that, that, that's not possible. Here. This guy's a second rank engineer. <laughs> What's a first rank engineer do? Could these same water molecules ever be returned to this glass just as they were before? No more, no less, in precisely the same configuration. Well, I suppose if you tagged the water molecules prior to mixing... No. Our minds have been blended together. Poured into one vessel ill-equipped to sustain our volume. Yeah, but if the computers on board your ship can separate the human consciousness from the body, then surely they can isolate you the... hear that? No, I can't hear anything. Yeah, there's their voices. I can hear them. Ooh, funky camera angle. Something's going to happen. Try and look. I need you to stay with me, all right? We need to work together on this. The most incredible feeling. I doubt the others can help as much as you can. No one can help. D don't say that. Uh, they're pulling at me now. I don't, I don't know how long. <laughs> faster, Janet. Faster, faster. <laughs> <sighs> 
And here we have somebody else. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Daniel. Oh. Oh, Daniel. What's going on? Look, something has happened. I need you to just stay with me, okay? Just hang in there. Oh. Look, we can use the rushes. That was it. A moment later, another person emerged, but we didn't learn anything from her. So, he only surfaced for a moment, but it was definitely Daniel. At least we know he's still in there. Mm-hmm. Dr. McKenzie just did a detailed analysis of his EEG and MRI readings. We think that Daniel himself is in a sort of coma, having been suppressed by the others. It's as though his own consciousness has retreated, protecting itself. That's why he could only surface for such a short time. When he emerges, why didn't he just ascend? Because Omer's not there, and can only ascend with the aid of Omer. Oh, that's not good. Well, if you're gonna guess, why not go for a bigger number? Sir, it's possible I could reconfigure the ship's systems to separate Daniel. The last time you were on that ship, you were attacked. It may have been automated defenses. I think not, Major Carter. Yes, Sam. Yes. I appreciate confidence in anybody, but come on. <laughs> There's no way Daniel would have stepped into one of those things on his own. Then someone else must have done so. Perhaps I regained consciousness before Daniel Jackson's assailant was able to do the same to us. Question is, why? So, you're right. Yes. You're a vessel. Yes. If there was more people over there actually searching the ship, instead of just the four on you. So, what if this was a desperate attempt to preserve these people? What if the person who attacked you was simply trying to keep these people alive the only way he could? The ship could not have sustained them indefinitely. So Daniel's a, a lifeboat? Yeah, it's possible. Sir, I recommend that SG-12 accompany us back to the planet. They can search the ship for whoever did this while I study the cryogenic systems. You have a goal. Dismissed. Yeah, just pull a number out of your head. Yes, we'll use the sacrificial SG team. <laughs> it's fortunate that the ship crashed so close to the Stargate though, isn't it? Either they could see it or the map could see it. Mm -hmm. The things they do to make stories work. We fiddle with things. I'm sorry, I don't know. Do you mind if I sit down beside you? Oh, no, they won't hurt you. Hmm. Oh, it's a child. Yes. Tell you what, why don't I tell you everything I know, and then we'll just take it from there, okay? What's your name? Keenan. Keenan. That's a very nice name. I'm Dr. Fraser. SD-12, move up. I know you would do anything to save Dr. Jackson, but the last thing we need is for this to happen to both of you. We have every intention of avoiding that, sir. Good luck. Ah, it's 12. They're dead. I'm going to say, what's their speciality? Dying. <laughs> the grunt work. Their speciality is being a red shirt. We're trying to figure out everything <laughs> yeah. we can about... How about sending the rest of those guys along with them, just in case, like, you know... Hmm. I shouldn't be yawning. I spent three hours of sleep tonight. Or this afternoon. <laughs> Why can't I wait with you? The ship must accelerate to escape the flare's radiation. You'll be safer here. You will dream sweet dreams. And when you awaken, we'll be in orbit around Ardina. And I will be right here. Tell us who it become. Keenan is played by Ryan Drescher. Who's got eyes the size of an ostrich egg. <laughs> He's been in Andromeda, Jeremiah, Masters of Horror and Supernatural. Doesn't look that much like the guy playing his dad. Takes after his mother, obviously. Mm. 
or the next door neighbour. <laughs> He's really got the wide-eyed innocent thing down, doesn't he? Actually, Jody looks a bit like a young Macaulay Culkin. There is a definite... I can see that. <laughs> yes. Now that you mention it, of course, that could be just my perception being influenced by what you said. Shine's copied his mannerisms. Yeah. It's better if you're going to play a child to actually do the same things a child would do. Yeah. And Ryan was actually pleased or was allowed to get into one of the pods. He's actually excited about it. <laughs> Yay, pod! Unfortunately, some of the extras were not. One actually had an anxiety attack and had to be taken out. <laughs> Another one fell asleep and then fell forward and smashed his head against the glass. Get a sense of foreboding already. <laughs> mm. I remember the, the child in Battlestar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm waiting for my grandma. Alright. <laughs> You're gonna die, love. Sorry. <laughs> we will manipulate the viewer's emotions at all costs. Absolutely. I'm gonna get the Blu-rays again. I'm using the high-pitched patronising voice I use when talking to children. It's alright. My mother said she would take her chance with the lottery, but she wasn't chosen. The sovereigns were chosen, but she wasn't chosen. No one I knew was chosen. I wanted to stay with her. A lottery. Yes. How many of the leaders, whatever passes for royalty among these people got? In the lottery. Through in the lottery. Oh no, the leaders. They didn't even have to go in the lottery. They... Aww. I'm welling up here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Daniel enjoyed that bit. Vaguely disturbing. <laughs> yes, let me just bury my apparently 10-year-old head in your crotch. <laughs> he doesn't appreciate it. You may address me as sovereign, and I will ask you never to do that again. This guy's hateful. Yeah, they're making sure you don't sympathise at all with his plight. <laughs> You know, you think true, if it crashed, those rather narrow-looking support things would have gone. Yeah. And then given the amount of weight on the upper bit. SG-12, this is Carter, come in. This is SG-12. We've just begun our search. Stay in radio contact. Carter out. These power level readings are extremely low. I don't know how it could still be working. Perhaps if we revive one of them, they may be of some assistance. I can imagine that a ship that size would have to be assembled in orbit because the sheer amount of power required to get it off planet in the first place. Yeah, considering it's sublight, so they're going to have limited engine technology. Why have you involved the boy in this? What boy? The boy. You were just talking to him. Where is he? If we don't get these systems hooked up to another power source soon, these people are going to die. I mean, the disturbing thing is they said there were four cryo bays, which yeah. you assume are those four cylindrical pods, mm -hmm. you know, either side of the main uh, ship. Two of them must have been destroyed, surely. Mm -hmm. One generator should be enough. Yes, we've got you this time. Please, don't hurt us. He's got more than one person inside him, I believe. Farin, played by James Parks. Yeah, screwed. Yes, he's working himself up into right fit. Tell them to stop shouting, it is unendurable! I can't hear them. Oops. Silence, woman. You be quiet, or I shall chain you back to the stove. <laughs> no! No, 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 no! What you say cannot be so! I have responsibilities to attend to. Yeah, screwed. Ooh. You cannot leave. Thousands of our people depend on me to lead them. Yes, he's working himself up into right fit. I'm sorry. It's my destiny to rule over Ardina. No, listen, you don't understand the seriousness of your condition. And you still don't realize who you are talking to. I don't 
give a damn. You don't belong in that man's body, and I intend to take it back. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Are there other conscious people aboard this ship? No. The others still sleep. And I was so touched with the. Don't know how long he's been out of cryo. Surely not the day or so that they've been on board. Either that or he grows a beard pretty damn fast. Yes, Farin, James Port, been in Red State, True Blood, Jericho, 24, the rather unique film called Rubber, about a sentient tyre. Oh dear. You will watch it, it's a blinder. Uh, now that I've made that change, I might actually watch it, since I don't want to waste half the day lying in bed with hangover. Farron figured out a way to override the failsafes. Can be done. Don't you see? These souls are the last of an entire world. She looks familiar. They cannot be allowed to end like this. Maybe there's another way. No. No, the power is fading even now in every compartment. If the two of you carried but a handful of souls, we could route the remaining power back to the others. That's not going to happen. Listen to him, and there's always another way. We do not know how many more we can accommodate. We? Hmm. <laughs> I believe he, like Daniel Jackson, carries the consciousness of many. You think, Teok? Why to state the obvious? It was more obvious because mm -hmm. Sam didn't pick up on it, did she? I can harbor no more. To what end do you attempt to preserve the life of these people? Their bodies are dead. We are the last of an entire world. The other ships will come. We have sent a message. They will hear it. No, they won't. And when they do, they will find a way to restore us. Why did you not attempt to revive the others? Yeah, two more ships. For all you know, they're happily settled on this new world. And they figured, do we really need telephone sanitizers? I don't think so. He was revived by the computer. But the power requirement of his restoration caused too great a drain in the rest of the compartment. A little camera trickery, mucking about with a frame rate to uh, give that true look to it. minutes to restore power to 12 of the sleeper chambers before the occupants were dead. But there wasn't enough time. Was failing them. They also had a decision about the emergency lights, strobes no or spinning lights. Choice. Peter DeLuise and Peter West on the commentary had a in-depth discussion about five minutes over how they decided which to use <laughs> and what films use what. They went a little off tangent. A thousand souls aboard the Stromos. If Farron had attempted to revive the others, then many more may have died. Even one person to share the burden. Farron walked as far as he could see. There was little more than rock! Neither was there sufficient water or food remaining aboard after the crash. Farron dare not revive another soul. <laughs> He's, uh, it's taking its toll on him, really, isn't it? We are not alone. We live in a democracy of one. It is strange, yes. But we are the chosen survivors of an entire race. How could Farron have allowed even one of us to be lost? Still, we could have helped you. There was no time. We should have asked them. No, we could not take the chance. You would never have consented. Yeah, you chose a bad planet to crash on. Mm. Would you? We would not. In fact, you come to think about it, you know, if uh, it's a generation ship, automated, so why would it go anywhere near a habited solar system mm. except for its destination? Yeah. The odds of actually passing close to one is pretty extreme. Oh, yeah. Too many of us were afraid. There are other ways that we can help. How? Well, for starters, we could provide you with an alternate power source. 
One capable of bringing your energy reserves back up to where they need to be to revive your people. It's possible that I can retrieve it and have it up and running within a few hours. Farron, there is no other way. Listen to her. No, we must wait. The ships will come. We can take you anywhere you want to go. Another world like Ardina. This was actually the scene James Potter did for his audition. Mm. And Peter Eloise said, you know, he saw this, he was sold right there and then. Yeah. He actually felt a bit sorry for him because he kept pushing him a bit further. You know, get more emotional, more emotional. Such a device is not possible. Come back with us and I'll prove it to you. However, we will only consent to do so if you return our friend to his former state. He is preserving life. At the expense of his own, against his will. Please. A bit like the Tok'ra. We don't need energy, we need people. We're not asking. The souls that your friend carries within him are amongst the most precious of all. Our friend is equally as important to us. <laughs> Just say yes and be done with it. Oh, Tirk's annoyed. Now, Janet annoyed is one thing. Tirk annoyed. He's rather more threatening. How can I abandon them so easily? We have sworn to protect the Sovereign, but we may save hundreds of others. Farron. And they're dead, except it. Pretty much so, yes. <laughs> You've actually got to admire the acting. It's gone a bit mental, yeah. There is a way. Do you understand that what we're offering could save everyone on this ship? And do you understand that one of the souls that your friend carries within him? Switching between personas. Yeah. Just hoping the sensible one comes out last. And on sideways. Switching between personas. Yeah. Just hoping the sensible one comes out last. And on sideways. Nice shadow effects. When they get low-level lighting right on this show, it really does look spectacular. The show's screwed up. Well, I'll see what the low-level lighting's like on Continuum this evening. That won't be necessary, Dr. Fraser. Fentanyl's an anti-convulsant. It's not painkiller. You seem to have a higher threshold for pain than the others. Trying? Evil. Evil. <laughs> not evil. Yeah, because I'm going to leave the only helpful personality we have, and we don't know how long it'll be taken over, just so I can narrow yes, a character. That makes strategic sense. Leave somebody with him, anybody, just to keep talking about anything. You never know what might crop up. Hmm. <laughs> a reunion. You sure you trust this guy? He has much to gain by assisting us. Oh, they're back. Officer Farron, sir. Engineer Tryon, second rank. Hmm. Adoration there. I suppose I should be dead, but I'm alive. Thank you. Of course. Of all of our crew, you would have thought this was not possible. And of all our crew, sir, you're the one who find a way to do it. How did you manage? Our training and a shared will to survive. It is a strange way of living with others, but it is better than the alternative. What of our ship and our passengers, sir? Why is that what sound? I'm just wondering something. Never a good thing. Our ship crash-landed. We failed to reach Ardina. Her passengers may yet be saved, but not without considerable sacrifice to you and to the others of the Stromos that reside within you. I understand, sir. I suppose the fact that it's coming from Varin, he actually believes it implicitly now. There must have always been a doubt. I'm going to put down the thing I was fiddling with. I've been very good this week. I've fiddled very little. Perhaps even Ardina 
The episode has efficiently held my attention. I haven't been playing with things. And it will save our people. Oh, here it comes. But in exchange, they ask that their friend be returned to them as he was before. I believe it can be done if we act quickly. It is a reasonable bargain. And he can put two and two together very, very quickly. See, now that's the crew member you want. Mm -hmm. Mindless obedience. No! There will be no sacrifice of any kind. Officer Farron, as your sovereign, I demand you return me to the ship immediately. Forgive me, sovereign. <laughs> Farron. We have sworn an oath to do his will. We cannot proceed. Officer Farron. Yes, he kind of values his life above his people, which is never a good thing in the leader. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly how is he yeah. going to carry out this command? Yeah. Get up! I have sworn to protect the sovereign. Your sovereign's dead. Get up! soul lives on. Not if I cut him out! You would not. Oh, yes, I would. Oh, yes, I would. Ooh. <laughs> Literally. You just do what you came here to do. It probably takes a hell of a lot to uh, defy his leader. I mean, you don't you really know what sort of system, or I imagine it was a global government. Ooh, interesting. It is the only way to protect our people. I will not surrender this body, not at any cost. It is mine! I was never asked to take If you save anyone, you will save me! The people of Talthus will die. Let them! Forgive me, sir. How dare you touch me! For 12 years we have fought to save the people of Talthus, and we will do everything in our power to do so, no matter how great the sacrifice. A homage to Lord of the Rings when Spangle Gollum. Yes. Again, never afraid to uh, lift clever ideas from somebody else. Steal, not lift. Emulate. Mm. Pay homage to. Oh, this is nasty now. Oh yes. I am so sorry, my son. You must sacrifice as well, and we will be together. It's easy to talk about sacrifice, but actually talk to your son and say, In oblivion. The people of Talthus will be safe, and they will remember us forever. But we'll be together. We'll be together. Another one. Within a generation, you'll be a boring footnote in a history class in the Talthus equivalent of high school. That's assuming everybody else is revived and they get to a new world. A lot of ifs. Wouldn't be warm and fluffy enough. Besides, we've only got a minute and a half or so. Well. Well, there's no way to tell yet if they all made it into Farron, but Daniel's readings are back to normal. How'd you do that? It wasn't me, sir. It was Daniel. His consciousness protected itself, and he never emerged for more than a few seconds. That's what allowed Farron to separate the others from Daniel and absorb them himself. More the merrier, I guess. Yeah, that little headpiece was originally designed for. Michael Shanks to wear. It didn't fit on James Parks, that's why mm. there's a bloody great big gap all around. Mm. To be honest, the actual concept design for the uh, apparatus is a bit basic here. You expect something a little bit fancier. Yep. We have work. We should be able to begin the restoration process within hours. And we can start relocating them shortly after that. We'll leave that for SG4. They love that kind of stuff. <laughs> I can't be arsed. Yes. Yeah, I'm going home. Simpsons is on. Mm. He'll probably be unconscious for a while. I think it's best if we get another. Oh, he's not. <laughs> you in there, Daniel? Anybody? Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Been better. <laughs> oh, do we actually see Jack displaying emotion other than anger and sarcasm? Jack, how you doing? Oh, bad headache. Nail on the head kind of thing. Yeah. 
Something like that. Compassionately, Jack. He's friends with his little space monkey. This episode totally depended upon the acting of those bits, especially Michael, to get it right. Doubly so when he was doing The Child. Peter DeLuise said it could have come off so hokey and, you know, comedy value, you know, when people actually just laughed at him. Mm-hmm. But anybody who laughed at that hasn't got a heart or a soul. The humour in this episode was Siler in the background having his nose fixed with no explanation at all how that happened. They don't mention it in the commentary either. They mention the fact that he's there. You know, it wasn't the aftermath of a scene they cut out or anything. It was just there so that he was there. Contractually obliged to reference. It could be that, you know, or a promise made, you know. Perhaps if they don't use him for a lot of stunt work in the episode and there's an extra space going, they uh, pop him in. Or perhaps because he's on the contract and he's being paid for the series, rather than use an extra in the background, they can stick him in and it doesn't cost him anything else. There is that. Won't surprise me one bit. Cheaper to use either. And it'll get the conspiracy <laughs> theories going mental. Yeah. That was Lifeboat, uh, Michael Shanks' tour de force. Yet again. He does seem to get two or three each season. Oh, quite right, yeah. I think this is rather... Oh, Chris Harmsworth just tweeted two minutes ago, watching Lifeboat, dot, 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 love you at Michael Shanks. She's a big fan of Michael Shanks. If you want to check out her website... I see her Twitter pic. It's her being hugged by Michael. I'll put the link to her website where she does a lot of wallpapers and uh, screen caps and whatnot. Come try ya! What's next week, Alan? Next week we have Enemy Mine. SG1 are called upon to assist when a member of an SGC mining team goes missing in mysterious circumstances. Daniel and Teok find a familiar bony necklace which they recognise the kind worn by Shaka. Daniel is convinced there are Unas on the planet and determines the mining team is being warned to stay away. By what? Getting whacked? That's not a warning, that's more of a declaration of war. <laughs> yes, Enemy Mine. A good episode. Very, very guest star heavy. Very familiar faces. I'll make sure you get plenty of time during the recording to list other things that it's been the name of. <laughs> Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Time for a little feedback and the upcoming week's birthdays in the Stargate family. We have no email, but we do have some comments on revisions from the Facebook page. Uh, my stupidly badly sorted by the evil Facebook page, try and find the buddy. Ah, oh, on Saturday. Okay, so Jeff Wolsey says, I thought there's an interesting portrayal of an advanced race for the Tauri to encounter. There's nice twists on similar storylines, such as Shocker's Rings at the Master series, where a computer slash AI is making decisions regarding how to best protect the civilization. I replied, yeah, advanced but artificially retarded in pretty much every field of study once linked into the network. And Jeff replied, which is what really makes the link to Chalker's book so strong, as in that series the computer artificially kept humanity at lower levels of technology with a few individuals accepted who were tasked with helping the computer maintain control. And I'll add it to my reading list. And Jeff replied, referencing me, and was just mentioning it as well a few episodes back, I think. Not that I can recall, but... You just echo what I said. It was profound. (laughs) Flattery will get you nowhere. (laughs) And now the birthdays for the upcoming week. On June 26th, Robert Davies celebrates his birthday. He played the recurring character Collier in the Stargate Atlantis, as well as a major role in Profiler, and is a prolific actor. Also Also on the 26th, it's Ian Trace's birthday. He played Smith in the SG-1 episode Prometheus, but he is better known for his roles in Sanctuary and Hell on Wheels. Paul Koslow has his birthday on the 27th. Born in Germany but raised in Canada, he has worked extensively in the TV and movie industry, including a guest spot on SG-1 as Terok 
in the episode The Serpent's Venom. We have two people sharing their birth on the 29th. The Japanese actor Soon Teko celebrates. The Japanese actor Soon Teko celebrates. He played Mogal in the SG1 episode Emancipation. And the American actor Bradley Stryker celebrates his birthday. He guest starred in three episodes of Stargate Universe as Curtis. Finally, on the 30th of June, Terry Mulligan has his birthday. He played, sec- he played the Secretary of Defense, David Swift, in the SG-1 episode, The Knox. Happy birthday, guys. That's feedback and birthdays for now. We'd love to hear from you, and here is how you can do it. The Gatecast website can be found at gatecast.facecast.com. Links to episodes not found on the current RSS feed can be found there as well. Our Facebook and Google Plus pages are listed under The Gatecast. And our Twitter ident is the Gatecast, which is one word. We can also be found on iTunes, which is one portal where comments and reviews are most welcome, including those five stars. Finally, the old tried and trusted email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. It is still the best and most reliable way of getting in touch with us. And if you're feeling adventurous, why not record us a little MP3 so we can play it on the show? It makes life so much easier when we know how to pronounce somebody's name. So feel free to send us any comments or feedback you have on the show, or any aspect of the fandom. Retweets, plus ones, URLs, pictures, sound files, anything like that is more than welcome. We'll always do our best to put any feedback into the show itself. One world, one universe, the journey never ends. Stargate forever. That was Lifeboat, thanks for joining us. As Alan says, next week we'll be covering Enemy Mine, and join us for that. Any feedback you've got, fantastic. We'd love to have it. Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, and watch Continuum. It's got pre in it. Indeed. Bye-bye, everybody. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com. Gatecast.